DenverCrush.com Podcast. We are your hosts, Jessica, and I am Chris Eaton. And joining us for this very special episode, sir, oh, it's, it's Mark. <laughs> yeah, Mark's Mark's here. Mark's here. And uh, if, if because Mark is here, we're here talking about the thing that's going on this week, the center of our little universe, this corner of fandom. This week saw the release finally in North oh. America of Shin Godzilla. Aptly named Shin Godzilla, which I'm so glad uh, Funimation stuck with that name because Godzilla Resurgence sounded a little mundane, if, if you will. Yeah, and then with the Independence Day taking the same name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. True, this is true. And you know, for the record, I did like the Independence Day movie. It's it's dumb, silly fun, but uh, that that's 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 a whole other podcast for a whole another day. We're here to talk Shin. We're here to talk finally what few have seen. Mark, 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 and Jessica both have seen the film already. But they saw it in its native Japan in Japanese. So there was a... And when you see this movie, uh, you realize, holy crap, there's a ton of talking in this film. And it's at a rapid-fire gun pace. So a few things got lost in translation, and now both have seen it in English, or at least with English subtitles, so we can properly dissect the film. So here's the thing. You and I had an earlier episode in which I talked about it you know, from when I saw it in Japan. Mm-hmm. But, of course, I did uh, preface the episode by saying, you know, there was a lot that I did not understand, you know, due to my language limitations. Yeah. But now, everyone's seen it. We've all seen it with uh, sub- with competent subtitles, and mm-hmm. uh, we can all... You know, after, my, after it being my fourth time seeing it, uh, yeah, I have that film pretty... You got, cool. you got it on lockdown. So, um, if... Right up front, look, you're listening to this and you haven't seen it yet, which I'm pretty sure there's a few of you because, you know, certain parts of the country, it's kind of hard to get to, and, you know, it's still not released in other parts of the world yet. I know it's not out in the UK. I think it's hitting Canada later this week. Um, so, full, we're, we're going full spoilers. We're just going to dig in like a big salad bar and just go nuts on this. So... That way, again, preface it, full spoilers, we're at the top, we're going to break down everything, so if you want to be, if you don't give a crap about that, just continue listening, if not, just put this episode aside for a few more weeks, or whenever you see it, and then pull it back up then, that's the beauty of Pop Podcast, it's always going to be there. <laughs> and also, even though it hasn't been released in theaters in maybe certain areas, mm-hmm. uh, there are screener copies out, which means mm-hmm. people get their hands on it. Yep, yes there are, so... All right, well, <clears throat> let us dive into the enigma, to the, the uh, it, a film decisive as uh, G14, as the legendary film was amongst the fandom, where it seems like you either loved it or you really hated it, or you were just very meh because you had a, an idea of where you wanted it to go. Jessica, go first. Oh, okay, sure. 
Um, did you want me to start kind of just how more I felt now that I've seen it in English or how much it has changed from the time I saw it in Japanese and then I saw it again in English? Either way, it's, it's, uh, it's your review. Go ahead. Um, I think when we last talked about it on one of the previous episodes, I said that I had really, 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 really liked the action scenes. Mm-hmm. Basically, anything with Godzilla in it when he does show up, because there isn't really so much talking as there is destruction. Mm -hmm. But there is a lot of talking heads, and I do realize the first time I saw it that there's a lot of politics involved. There's a lot of meetings, red tape happening in, like, cabinet rooms. And, you know, the directors, they tend to really like to do also close-up on faces Mm. or faces speaking to each other. So at that point, I'm just, I can't even read it contextually with their face nuances, so I literally just have to blank out at that time because I'm not really even picking up anything. So it's not like a show like Parks and Recreation where even though a character isn't doing anything, you can tell what they're thinking Mm -hmm. by the way their facial remark is showing. However, I couldn't really get that. And also, I had a lot of questions. (laughs) However, I had a lot of questions. I'm like, what is happening? However, with that said, I liked it, judge on what I can see with the action. I know a lot of people didn't like it. I call him disco ball mode when he just shoots out like lasers. It's disco. I always, whenever I say it, I can't help but do a mini robot dance with my hands because I just feel like I'm waiting for him to just break out in this weird robot dance while the disco ball is shooting. Like, he just has lasers and lights coming out everywhere. So... That is very Evangelion, I think, to a lot of people. I think that's where the decisive divisiveness comes from. Mm-hmm. Some people prefer something traditional. Some people prefer something like this. Also, some people doesn't like this lungfish, blood-spurting radiation thing that comes out in Form 1. Mm-hmm. Some people just like it straight from... He's upright. <laughs> and that's the way you always see him. Not like what I call the Pokemon evolution. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not like evolving. Mm-hmm. But I didn't mind it because usually animals, both mammals and uh, even cold-blooded, they come from things without limbs. There's still a process in which the fetus or the egg or whatever it is turns into the final, the final product that you see now. So I actually don't mind seeing the evolution. But my main issue still was I had no idea who any of these people were. The main guy who I called a creepy Levi because he was in the Attack on Titan. <laughs> yes, he was. He was a Mark. Mark saw that movie with us. Um, mm-hmm. He was an um, in Attack on Titan. He was creepy Levi. Yes, he was. He, he was, was the one that was. Yeah, he was the one that was hitting on them. Half of that cast actually was in Attack on Titan. Shocking. The live action. Shockingly. Yeah, and so uh, he. I didn't, I didn't quite know what his job was. I knew he ended up with some sort of special unit, and he gives, like, a speech at the end, and they all put on the race. So I was like, I was like, I have no idea. The girl, I kind of figured, was some sort of ambassador. She was too young. I, I had no clue what was happening. I knew that she was supposed to be half white, half Asian, because her last name was Patterson in the film. Mm-hmm. But watching this film, it was almost like... I guess I would describe it as walking into a room and your eyes kind of get used to, like, the dimness. And you're like, okay, I see that there's stairs. There's a table here. 
there's a chair there. But then when someone turns on the lights, you see everything. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, you know, there's flowers on the table and the stairs lead to here. Like, you see all the details in the room. I feel like reading it in English was, it made 10,000 times more sense. It was like someone turned on the lights. And I was like, oh, my God, I get it. I get what's happening. I didn't even catch the first time that she was hoping to be president <laughs> in her 40s. Mm-hmm. I mean, she did because the guy says it in English. Mm-hmm. But there was, I didn't really get that up until that point you know i didn't know what the guy really did until the film Mm -hmm. um there was i think the main difference was the explanation of godzilla why that boat was empty in the beginning and for me the big one was there was a lot of all of the political meetings make sense Mm -hmm. the movie flowed a lot quicker it didn't feel as long as it did to me and also the fact that there was a lot of jokes and humorous moments that you did not get when you watched it in a language that you don't speak and i think one of the main differences as well is i don't know how well i don't know how close it was translated to because i don't again i don't i don't know the japanese language but it also shows a difference in audience mm-hmm. in who watches it. Because let's say it was humorous in Japanese. Mm-hmm. No one in the theater laughed. In Japan. There was, there was no laughter. Yeah, in Japan, nobody laughed. Mm-hmm. So I never got the sense that the movie had humor. Mm-hmm. Because no one laughed. No one clapped at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. And also, very much like when Godzilla was defeated... Uh, in, in American films, we're all cheering. Uh, everybody looked relieved, from mm-hmm. the actors to the audience. They were just like, it's a relief. There was no, like, a victory thing. But in the theater that we sat at, Chris, you know, because Chris and Mark, we all sat in the same theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, every, people were laughing. And you got the real passive-aggressive jokes about the U.S. Mm-hmm. You, got, you got why they went to Germany and why they went to France for help. So there was a, it was a lot funnier, and it flowed a lot quicker, and I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it the first time, but I enjoyed it magnitudes more watching it in English with the English subtitles. So it really, it really made a lot, a lot more sense. There was still one or two things I didn't quite get, but it definitely, which I will probably ask Mark or you later after Mark gives his review and you give your review, but... I, I I really enjoyed it. I really liked it. I did see it with friends who are mm-hmm. familiar with the franchise or love it. A few loved it, and a few, again, was divisive. They didn't like it. They didn't like the, how much Godzilla involved, and suddenly he's got new powers shooting out of his dorsal fins and his tail and its fire. and Like, what is happening? Mm-hmm. To them, it was a little bit too convenient and too much. But I personally don't mind change, which I may not like change, but I actually can adapt to it, which is probably how I lived through New 52 and Rebirth. Every time I hear that about change, I'm, I'm just reminded of uh, Wayne's World when uh, Rob Lowe walks up to Garth and he's working on that robot ham. He's like, I want to talk to you and Wayne about some changes to the show. And Garth's just like... We fear change. And then just starts beating the hell out of that robot hand that starts going nuts. Oh, yeah, yeah, Exactly. No, I know exactly what you mean. And, like, it's a very political. I had some friends who were like, this is very heavily political, but it made sense. And, that you know, it's, it's supposed to be a democratic country. You have to go through red tape. 
You know what I mean? You have to go through. I didn't get the sense that the women, I knew that the women were key characters. Mm-hmm. But the big one was the uh, junior junior scientist. Mm-hmm. She figures out a lot of the things out. Mm-hmm. And that was something that you could kind of get by context, but you didn't really understand really how much input she had until the English subtitles, along with what the hell was with that origami crane. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of figured it out at the end when it's got the subtitles to it. Yeah. All right. Uh, Mark? Um yeah, well, I like what Jessica said. I, mean, I saw it twice uh, in Japan, and uh, you know, I, I picked up the, the basic gist of everything. But you know, there is so much verbal exposition in the film. It, you know, subtitles were really needed to really catch everything. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you know, I, I did like the film initially when I saw it in Japan. But I like it so much more now that I've seen it twice with subtitles. Mm-hmm. It makes so much more sense. And, uh, you know, I mean, you remember, Chris, uh, you and I uh, were on uh, Facebook Messenger, mm-hmm. you know, right after I got out of that very first showing in Japan. Which was like 3 a.m., wasn't it? Like your time? It, yeah, it was like 4 or 4.30 a.m. my time. Good Lord. Yeah, and yeah, but uh, I would happen to be sitting in this twenty-four hour ramen place mm-hmm. right down, you know, right down the street in Shinjuku, and uh, you know, having a late supper type of thing, and we were talking about it. And remember, the first thing I told you is this is going to be as divisive as Final Wars. Oh, very much so. And now, oh, if only. But you know what? Actually, surprisingly, I am actually shocked at. Uh, how uh, how many positively glowing reviews that I'm seeing mm-hmm. from fans and even casual fans alike? Uh, you know, I, I thought you know, I thought I was expecting Final Wars level hatred, mm-hmm. but a lot of people really really like it. You know, for various reasons, you know, uh, but they, they they seem to get it and. Uh, you know, I'm not knocking people who have their criticisms. I mean, it, you know, I have plenty of criticisms of the, of the film myself, but um, it's if it, could, it by no means can it be considered, you know, like a missed opportunity or a failure. Mm-mm. Yeah. Also, I think a, a big reason for that is because they are taking into consideration who is helming the film. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, we, we knew when uh, they announced Ano as director. Uh, we were going to get something out of the ordinary. Yeah, very much so. I think that was that was the consensus from yeah. day one. Now that even people back then were like, "Really? I mean, him of all people?" But yeah. hey, he's he's. I mean, he's he's a name. He's and especially in Japan, like I, I don't think people realize how much of a religion Ava is in Japan. Evangelion is in Japan, like. It's, I mean, the shit, that last movie that came out was, I mean, I think it was like, like the biggest box office earner of the year yeah. for, uh, domestically for Japan. Like anything that came, like it knocked out any, like they premiered the trailer on New Year's Eve on the side of a building. That's how big this thing was. It was like, no, 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 we, little internet cannot contain the force of Evangelion. We're going to broadcast on the, one of our skyscrapers that's how much we're, that's how big it is so 
and, and you know, and and once again, going back to the uh, to the comparison between uh, Shin and Final Wars, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it it was a big deal back then mm-hmm. when they first announced uh, the director of Final Wars. Kit, uh, you know, Kitamura, yeah, yes. Kitamura was coming off of Versus, you know, and you know, so he had a name for himself. And they're saying, oh, this is like the hot new director in Japan. We're going to have him helm this Godzilla film. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then, of course, you know, Final Wars, you know, being controversial to some fans. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I think that well, what, similarly, they were looking for name, a name recognition in the director. Mm-hmm. They chose Ano. But unlike Kitamura, mm-hmm. uh, Ano had a long history. And was respected in you know in uh, you know <laughs> in sci-fi circles in Japan. Mm-hmm. People knew his name; they knew Evangelion, and uh, so he had this pedigree to him that I think uh, made people more comfortable you know, with him. You know, helping the the project, especially when it was announced that you know, Higuchi would be working alongside of him. Very, yeah, very much because at and pretty much at that point, you're getting. What many would consider a Gainax film, which I, I mean, the the, the studio itself is almost, I mean, I, I believe you know, don't quote me on this one right now, but I believe it's almost defunct at this point. I, I don't even think Anno's really running, running the ship there anymore. So, I might be wrong. I might be someone yelling at me, but from uh, someone was telling me like they're like everyone's kind of going their own separate ways there. Yeah. So. Um, but- it, it served its purpose, and now they're all moving on to other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but it, it still has its place in history. On a more personal note, as far as uh, you know, because I know everyone's talking about you know Evangelion and making drawing comparisons there. Mm-hmm. I mean, one one comparison that uh, one similarity that I saw immediately upon my first viewing of it in Japan was uh, a lot of similar scenes in the in the short film that they made, mm-hmm. in God Warrior appears in Tokyo. Oh yes. Because you, know, you see a lot of similar uh, scenes when, you know, uh, during the attack on the city, you know, from mm-hmm. uh, the, the alien monster thing and that thing. <laughs> I don't even know what they're called, but <laughs> and, uh, and and Godzilla and Shin Godzilla, mm-hmm. and you know, and it kind of it kind of gives me. Um, yeah, I kind of recognize that I, I have kind of a unique perspective going into this because you know a lot of fans know Anno and they've seen Evangelion, mm-hmm. uh, but I've experienced this not only with uh, Shin Godzilla, but also with the the Attack on Titan movies. Mm-hmm. I walked into both with no, with very little preconception as to what to expect because uh, Jessica can attest, you know, because she. Uh, got the tickets for the Attack on Titan films when they uh, were, had a limited engagement here in uh, L.A. and uh, I went, you know, I went with Jessica to see them at the theater here, uh, parts one and two. And unlike most of the people in the theater, I had to just have a passing knowledge of what Attack on Titan was. I just had seen like you know a few pictures online and had a vague idea of the, you know, of, of the overall storyline. I didn't know any of the characters, so I was seeing it from a totally fresh perspective. Mm-hmm. I wasn't comparing it to the manga. I wasn't comparing it to the anime since I hadn't seen either one of those. So it kind of gave me a, a unique perspective. I wasn't, you know, comparing it to anything. 
you same thing you with you the. Weren't, you weren't weighed. You weren't weighted down with that previous yeah. knowledge. Same thing with Shin Gojira. I mean, of course, you know, I love all the films. I've seen all the Godzilla films, mm. but as far as Anno's take on it, you know, I didn't get any of the Evangelion references. I mean, I, I had no idea that they were using Evangelion music. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I just barely know what Evangelion is, mm. so I didn't see all the Evangelion influence and references in, in the movie. And you know, and maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, actually, it might have been because you know, again, you know, when his name was brought up, you cannot. It's it's one of those things that you can't help but to draw because it, a lot of his work has a lot of um, like a lot of the recurring themes, especially the uh, military fetishism, like the shots of him that he uses in in uh, in his works too. I mean, they're all there, but again, I think I think the I think the problem is, and we I believe we even talked about it. Jessica and I even talked about it when he was first announced that, you know, there was jokes that like, oh, he's, it's going to be really, you know, he's he's going to go full like, well, that that, you know, he's going to go full Ava with it. But that that's something we, especially in fandoms, when we ever hear someone with a with a history of things are attached to a project that aren't necessarily kind of like up, up, up their, you know, stream. Like th- this past week, Guy Ritchie was signed on to do the live action Aladdin movie for Disney. And immediately you're, everyone thinks like Guy Ritchie. It's like, is, is Aladdin going to be like a smart ass talking, you know, British guy, you know, cause that's kind of like Guy Ritchie's bread and butter, but it's like, okay, you know, that's what he's done before, but maybe he's trying something different. Maybe that's why he is signing on to do this, because he wants to kind of get out of that uh, that that shell he's built around himself. Yeah, I mean, there's, and there's been quite a few directors who have been successful at that. You know, they go into projects, and people people think, you know, why the hell did they pick this person? And mm-hmm. they do, uh, you know, a good job. I mean, I'm sure you can pick examples mm-hmm. <laughs> better than I can. I, I know there's a few that I thought about before, but uh, I can't just remember them offhand. But now that you've seen the movie subtitled, and now you've gotten it, uh, you know, you've got the gist of what was going on, uh, what are your full thoughts on it now? Um, I, personally, I, I really liked it. To me, it, it gave a perspective I always thought was missing from a lot of the Godzilla films. Mm-hmm. I mean, in many of them, especially in the Heisei films, we'd always see it, uh, a command center when Godzilla attacked, was fighting another monster. Monster, There'd be a, some kind of hidden command center, you know, where Miki Saigusa and the Prime Minister would be, and they'd, you know, watch all the proceedings on a big screen, you know, which is fine. But I always kind of wondered, well, what, what about, you know, we're not seeing, you know, the full... We're not seeing the perspective of people who are caught in the middle of it, who did evacuate, who are on the ground, you know, kind of like a la Cloverfield type of thing. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, which I kind of found more fascinating, you know, who's making all the decisions here in the mm-hmm. government? Well, this is the film that answers that. You know, it, it shows, you know, it shows how, you know, a, a, the government would would, would react in an unexpected situation like this, you know, but at the same time, it also critiques the inefficiency of all the bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's kind of a running joke in the film. It's like, you know, they're holding meeting after meeting and calling experts and, you know, we want answers, but no one has answers because this is entirely new. This has never happened before. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, it's, it's one of the things that uh, people laughed at was uh, 
when Godzilla first appeared, you know, the first form, mm-hmm. they said, you know, he, he was on land for two hours and we accomplished absolutely nothing. Not to interrupt you completely, Mark, with, with your, but we'll kind of, we're going to kind of build into this a little bit. Yeah. Um, the, the the biggest thing, the biggest problem, I, I think the biggest thing that a lot of people, I mean, especially, I mean, the the, the showing the three of us went to on Saturday morning, uh, yes. uh, uh, from uh, pretty much the day before, we, A, shockingly sold out, too. Like, that was, that was, it was nice to see. Yes, yes, there was. Um, but the thing is, people, I mean, like, there are hardcore fans like, like us walking in, like, we know, like, you, especially, like, it, the movie's been out in Japan for two and a half months now, so, most, if you have been trying, like, hell to avoid spoilers, it's been very hard, but if you're like me, you didn't give a crap, and you just jumped right in, like, especially, you know, uh, calling, you know, you know, te- or texting Mark at 4 a.m. in Japan time, like, okay, so what's going on here, and he reveals, like, so, Godzilla mutates throughout the film, there's this, there's that, so, especially that first scene when the, I guess, the Form A Godzilla shows up. Yeah. And he's this big, derpy-looking eel thing. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, and just the, like, radiation, blood goo is spilling out of its gills. Yes. And, I mean, there was, there was, there was a, there was a pause, like, in our theater, because there's, apparently, there was a lot of people who had no idea that was coming. And everyone's like, yes, because yeah, because you yeah. get like these little glimpses of him when he's kind of trudging through the river and just like pushing, which is all like that. There's tons of the uh, the um, the uh, the old the of uh, the eleven earthquake like um, nods, the nods, yeah, the tsunami stuff. Like there's there's a ton of that in here, uh, and that whole like that him when he's trudging through that that riverbed and it's just boat and ship and people are just watching as he you kind of get a little glimpse of it here and there and then when he finally comes on land and it's just that big googly head just dirt like struggling to stay up the first thing and just knocking cars back and forth and they go flying and there's like a pause like like mark mark even himself even said it when he saw it first like what the hell is this which i remember that mm -hmm. first going in japan and you know and i'm sitting next to my girlfriend and she yeah, and she's really new to the whole genre. She's only she had she had only seen the original mm-hmm. film before uh, Shin, and we sat there at the Shinjuku IMAX. Mm-hmm. Even when when you first see it, and all the people were in the foreground running away from it, both her and I looked at each other like, "What the hell?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, a, a total newcomer to the, to the genre, but, you know, mm-hmm. sitting alongside someone who's loved this all his life, and both of us. Have the same reaction, like well, what? What the hell is this? It's the first time you really see where you know that that Ano and Huguchi were like, we're they're, we're definitely trying something different. Like, yeah, this is you know this this isn't just the the you know stir you know run of the mill kind of thing because I knew the what I'm calling Eelzilla was coming. Yes. So, in a lot of people were like, I, I don't know about this. You know, when you finally see it and you finally get where they where Ano's going with it and we're exploring they're finally they're exploring like a whole section of Godzilla that we've never really dis- that the movies never really bothered to as much as the 90s and early and the first two millennium films really bothered with 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 his whole biology yeah. um they never really got into the full fact he's still a mutant and he's still just a, he's a genetic like freak 
And with Anno going to, like, instead of like, okay, he's just going to be this majestic dinosaur, that it's something completely different and playing up the whole mutation aspect, which again goes into the whole Fukushima thing. Uh, it's, it was, after a moment, when, when you, when the shock settles in, you're like, okay, let's see where this goes. And it, when you walk out of it, especially after watching this whole film, it almost feels like it's a breath of fresh air for once. It's like, okay, yes, he's, he's this, he's not, like, there, there, nobody would be standing, even even though they do play it, like, nobody's really gonna be like, do we, do we really need this thing wandering around in our, you know, you know, with the rest of us, it's not like some lost thing. This is something we created, so maybe we do have to take care of it. I'm kind of yeah. going off the deep end on my on my analogy here. I'm, I'm, my thoughts aren't really formed on this, or uh, I'm trying to say, but um, it, it is. It did finally uh, play with the fact that yes, um, we we were we all kind of got what we were expecting in the fact that this was going to be something different. And as Mark said, shockingly, a lot of people were actually really cool with it. Um, it actually praised it, especially a lot um, over here when it finally came, when the screeners started coming out, and uh, it actually played Fantastic Fest, I believe, last week. Last, I think, like the like a week from its actual release. Yeah. It actually got glowing reviews out of it. People were like, oh, this is, yeah, this is definitely not your, you know, your dad's Godzilla movie. This is not even your average one of the mill Godzilla movie. And going with a a very, you know, it, I even said, like, did we really need another military, you know, military versus Godzilla movie? And then when you finally watch it, it's like, okay, this is definitely not that. This is actually just, it's it's a disaster film. It's, it's like, it's, the best way I can put it, it's Twister. If Twister, the Twister, you know, dislocated itself from the cloud and just decided to start walking around and just destroying anything in its path. And you could not... It didn't dissipate. You had to do something about it. Yeah. So, um... At, with, with that being said, I... I, I mean, uh, from my, my personal perspective, seeing it twice, I liked, I liked Shin Godzilla a lot. Um... Do I think it's the best of the series? No, but then again, I need time. It's one of those things you need time to kind of let it settle in. Yeah. Where it stands. I didn't. I felt the same way about Jim K when I first saw it. I'm just like, why? Everyone's kind of, you know, building this up a lot, a lot bigger than I thought. Shit. You know, years later, I kind of came around. And it's, it, it's a lot. You know, I do hold it as one of the higher entries of the series, um, and I see why. But it took a long time for me to come around on that. But I do feel that Shin is what we needed now. As Jessica said, it's it's you know, she likes to make the Batman analogy. It's not the it may not be the Godzilla movie we wanted, but it's the Godzilla movie we needed right now. Yeah. <laughs> um Ando definitely definitely was the right choice for this because here's the thing. Um and uh it is it it does a lot of the stuff that I have been I, I go out on my I go out on a limb and praise Final Wars for where it's which they, they, Final Wars, sw- you know, shook the pot up a bit. Um, say what you will but, about the film, wh- whether you like it or not, but at least it doesn't look like all the Millennium films that came before it and all the Heisei films that came before it. It does at least look and feel like a much different film out of the rest of the series. It didn't feel stagnant like the rest of the movies, uh, like the rest of the series had. Same with Shin Godzilla. In fact, Shin Godzilla. I think has set a new bar for how Toho really should be approaching. If they, if they obviously they're 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 selling for it. The film 
is a is an unmitigated hit. I, I think they're even even they are surprised at how how much uh, this film has made, like, and how popular it is. I mean, it's held. They still like number seven in Japan, almost two and a half months out. Yeah, it's. it's uh, I believe it's up there. I think it's the fourth or fifth highest grossing Godzilla film now in the entire series. Um, here in America, it surpassed the one million mark for a, a freaking limit. It's only in four hundred like fifty theaters. For it to do that well is astounding. That's- I was shocked to hear that because you know we're used to Godzilla films. You know, even in Japan, mm-hmm. very low box office numbers. Mm-hmm. Now, it, it's almost just you know kind of like a you know a ceremonial thing to release them once in a while because don't. Godzilla is an icon in Japan, anyway, mm-hmm. and, and, you know. But for it to be this popular is is, is it, it's nice to see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's that reboot that every studio, when they're rebooting something, hopes hopes they have on their hand. Yeah, like yeah. N- a nostalgia factor with with people actually wanting it, and they turn out and they actually like the product they're giving them. I mean. The, I mean, now reboots are thrown at like they throw them at the wall and just see what sticks. Now, yeah, it, it seems like at least with Toho, they they took a nice kind of uh, cautious measure against it. Which, first off, I I can't find the budget on this film. I don't think Toho's released what the, what this movie cost. It definitely cost a lot more than than the previous um, uh, at least definitely more than Hasty films. I'm pretty sure. It cost almost as much as Final Wars did because Final Wars was, uh, I think, close to like twenty million U.S. But that's because they 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 did a lot of uh, international filming with that too. Like they actually came out to New York and stuff to film scenes. Um, this is, I mean, yeah. When you look at it, there's only like four big set pieces, but those are not cheap looking set pieces. No, no. And the effect, like, like we're all. It wasn't until I think like mid August when it came out that there's almost no practical effects used in bringing any of the gods any of the Godzilla forms to life there's like one or two shots where they had this giant puppet pretty much that they yeah. used and I'm, and I'm fairly certain that's that's the shot that's the crane up shot from the side all the way to the top of the head that they use that's that was used mostly at the end of the uh, the first trailer Cause just the way it's moving, the way it's kind of wobbling, everything like that. It looks like that. The rest of it's CG and motion capture. And I, and I'm, I'm eating my words now. I, I think Japan's finally starting to catch up with America in terms of effects. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was uh, really, really impressed with the, uh, you know, with the with the effects. You know, I, you know, when the first time I saw it, I heard that it's mostly CG. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though that I know there was a lot of practical uh, effects that were shot. Uh, What percentage of that actually made it into the finished film is unknown, Mm -hmm. but when I was in Japan, I was fortunate enough to see uh, behind-the-scenes footage, which uh, still hasn't been made public. Mm -hmm. I was was shown it by Shizu Nakajima, the director of Wolfman vs. Godzilla, and uh, Eiichi Sakurai, Mm -hmm. the the cinematographer, uh, when we were at the Monster Attack Team Dinner at uh, Kaiju Sakaba. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they were showing me. Mr. Nakajima was showing me on his uh, cell phone because he was present during the filming of this. So it was amazing to see that giant puppet mm-hmm. it, on a platform and, and the and the whole crew around it, do, you know, doing you know low, 
you know, low vantage point shots of, the, of it. So a lot of that was shot, but like I said, you know, it's still unknown at this point how much of it was used in the final product. And to, to me, anyway, uh, it seemed it was a pretty seamless transition between any kind of practical shots versus CG. And, and uh, you know, I've heard some people complain about shoddy CG work. And but you know, uh, pers- no, no, they, I, I they they can stick it up their butt on that one. I didn't see that. I mean, shoddy CG work. Mm. Okay, let's talk shoddy CG work. Mm. Uh, the re- the remake of the thing, mm. horrible CG. Yes. Yes. Uh, the Harry Potter films, mm. horrible CG. Oh, you're gonna get Jessica to stab you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I could say the same for the first Spider-Man. True. Also, as true. well. I mean, like when we talk shots. I mean, yeah. There's. I mean, there's. You could tell when CG is shoddy because it's just rushed. There's, yeah. I mean, the 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 um the first uh remake of uh the the actual remake of uh clash of the titans had a lot of like really shoddy cg work yeah, it was horrible and i saw that in 3d and it's it's, it's because it's a matter of, like, oh they didn't bother it didn't look like they were finished rendering or pretty much you know the budget wasn't there and you know yeah, or, or or even you know uh the yangari 2000 oh. from korea oh yeah oh I god mean, yes fun. but uh you know and you know and I understand there's budgetary concerns and, and, and t- you know, and time and everything, but look, Jurassic Park mm. still holds up after over 20 years. Mm-hmm. So does T2. Yeah. You know, so, you know, if you take your time and you, you budget wisely, mm-hmm. you can do something really good. And I, I think Shin Godzilla, you know, it, it succeeded in that point. You know, I, I, I like the effects. Yeah, and you know, and, and me, I I am a total traditionalist. I love practical effects in Tokusatsu. <laughs> I usually I usually like, you know, uh, kind of wince at the thought of CG, mm-hmm. especially you know in a in a kaiju film, Japanese kaiju film. Mm-hmm. But I was very impressed with with the uh, effects in Shingojita. There was there was there were many a shot, especially the fact that uh, it it seemed like. I mean, it, there were pictures of uh, filming where it looked like Higuchi and Ano were, like, two, like, 14-year-old kids, like, having the time of their life. Like, like they, they had that look in their face, like, holy crap, we actually get to do this legitimately now. Yeah. But it also looked like... Ano, it, it, it definitely felt like Ano... Like, Higuchi was the effects director, but it definitely felt like Ano had a lot of, like, his work is... I mean, the, the camera work in this film... Is something that I th- is part of the re- what I think that what this series needed, especially like the cinematography is beautiful in this film. It is. There are a lot of wonderful shots that we've never seen before in any Godzilla film. No, and and it's, even- there was some weird shots though. The one where the two main characters are talking to each other and it just pans out. <laughs> yes. They, and then and- they just go to the right. Because mm-hmm. I, I was sitting next to you, Chris. I was mm-hmm. like, what is that? Yeah. I saw that the first time. It was weird. It's just, it's just a, I think it's supposed to be a, like a melodramatic, because when they're talking about the uh, America's going to drop it. Evacuation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Evacuation, and uh, they just start pulling the camera away. And the uh, the two end up in like the far right corner of the frame while it looks like this, they're standing in front of like a train yard or something like that. It, it did seem like it was... It, because the whole film... I've, I've said the film is pretty much the West Wing if Godzilla showed up one day. Because yeah. it does play up like that. Like, there, there's so much talk and so much 
the rapid pace of the talking in this too. Oh my god! But it works though. It, hey, my god, does it work? It does for uh, me anyway. Yeah, I mean, because when you have because here's the thing, especially with like a lot of films that are real talky. I mean, it takes. I mean, you have to have what I would I would say a um, a either Coen Brothers or a a, a Quentin Tarantino esque um, you know uh, a fiction for the word. You know, you you're crafting like you people go to their movies to listen to people talk because the way the inflection, the words they're being spoken, it's almost like poetry. Then they're just talky films. A lot of British films are super talky. Where they're just there's a lot of exposition being given out because two guys are just in there talking, and the problem with that is, is that, you know, the directors never really bothered to do anything with the scene other than maybe frame it to have you know, you know, character A and character B like in the same frame. They're maybe doing little things here and there. You know, Tarantino. Well, does, you're... I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, 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 go on, Mark. Basically, you're talking my dinner with Andre. Very much so. Very much so. <laughs> you know, even Tarantino does that at points where, you know, he, but at least he moves the camera with it. Uh, Pulp Fiction is the best, best example of that where, especially like the dinner scene between, uh, the diner scene between Jules and, uh, and, and uh, uh, Vincent where the camera's kind of moving back and forth. It's one shot, but the camera's, it's like you're looking at them as they're talking. That yes. kind of stuff. That's never, that, nobody really ever does that. And Anno took a version of that. It does feel like there is a little bit of like an anime sensibility to that where, you know, each time you have another character talking, you're you're changing the frame. And quick cutting like that where it's done masterfully. Like the quick cutting is 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 you're on you're on the person. It's usually like a close up too. And it's done in such a rapid fire progression where you're not losing anything and you're it's the the key is the flow. And you're never like, okay, wait, what? What's going on? Who they like you? There's the the establishing shot, and then, bam, bam. It's pretty much the the as, as I was saying, uh, the aforementioned Tarantino where it's like you're you're in the room with them, and your your head's turning where everyone's talking. Like, okay, who? What? Okay, and you're following along with it beautifully. The only problem is that Anno shoved so many damn characters into this film that after a while, with the sub, like I get what he was going with the subtitles on the top, like explaining who's who. But after about three minutes, you almost have to give up on that because it's just so rapid fire. You're just like, okay, I'm just... These people seem important. I'll When I watch it again, I'll learn who the hell they properly are. But for the most part, I get who they are. That yeah. that I, That's the only criticism I could say of it. Other than that, it's... it. It's nice to see someone with a proper cinematic eye finally come in and do a Godzilla movie. And as much as I love Final Wars, and there's a lot of great stuff going on in that, but there wasn't this amount of just masterful cinematography going on to it. And especially, as as you said, the this, when it came down to the, the Godzilla shots, there was, none, there was almost none of the standard, you know, Godzilla's walking behind like a matte screen to give you like a forced perspective. It... He was in he, like all. He was in the scene. He was in. He was in the cityscape. It was everything. You're getting these wonderful like helicopter bird eye view shots. Um, Hi everyone. My name is Lorraine. What? 
Oh, no, nothing. I think something started playing toward the background of my computer. Oh, God. Okay, I thought we were getting haunted for a second. Oh, no, although we are near Halloween time. Yes, we are, and it's, and it's, it's you know, the, the, the witching hour is upon us. So, I'm sorry, we're, okay, I was going on about the cinematography. So, yeah, in the Godzilla shots especially, um, especially the, the first major attack sequence with the uh, the Apaches coming in, and just the stuff we were getting, just so well damn done. There there was a, there was a shot I didn't notice until the second time we were watching it when um, Godzilla came ashore the second time. Full, you know, <coughs> in the full grown form. Excuse me. Um, and they ordered the full evacuation. There's a shot uh, it's, it's, it's a wide shot of the city but you, in pretty much the um, this like neighborhood uh, takes up almost the entire screen except for a little spot up in the, in the uh, right hand corner you see Godzilla coming in the distance, and you actually see like debris flying up from what you know, from his approach. And I'm just like, oh, that's it's so subtle, but it's actually quite genius. It's just it yeah, gives. I, I noticed that too, and I thought that was, you know, th- that's where that's a perfect example of where you're wondering, okay, what it, what is CG and what is practical effects? Because that mm-hmm. looked damn good. It that did looked look- like practical effects to me. It looked ex- exemplarily damn good. Um, now let's talk about the actual, the major attack sequence itself, the first one. So, yeah, the uh, the biggest change besides Godzilla's different forms, which we'll come back to in a little bit, um, is the actual tinkering of Godzilla's abilities, if you will. So we, yes, <laughs> which the the, uh, the disco ball, the disco Godzilla. ball, yes. <laughs> As, as Jessica has aptly referred to him as. Um, up until that point, the running joke, which even Anno, Anno was just, it, it was a nice poke, it's just when they're sitting around like, okay, what are his behavioral patterns? He just walks. That's all yeah. he's doing. Like, he's doing nothing. He's just walking. It isn't until, so after that first military attack, where you really get the scope of like, okay, like, we have nothing. Again, we can't do anything against him. And then, America's like, we'll come in, freaking, we're gonna drop some freaking bombs on him and just yell like Yo Joe on the on this son of a bitch. <laughs> and they actually do, and it, it, it's it's the scene when you know when the bombers lay into Godzilla and those the the blasts break through his back, and you see all that blood just rain down on the street. Um, that's when we get our first shot of the atomic breath, the new the new and improved atomic breath. And the various attacks that go with it. Uh, when Mark first described it to me, I'm just like, "Wait, what? What? What did they do?" So we get this. We get Godzilla, who even when he's attacked. So when he's attacked, he doesn't really move. Like that's the thing. He's just like a walk. He's almost like a walking statue at a, at a point. Like his arms. He really. There's no almost. He, there's no emotion. There's no range whatsoever. So when he finally gets hurt. You get this, like, he starts roaring, and then he, like, kind of lowers his head like he's bowing, and just starts spewing, like, all this black crap that just starts filling the city. And then, like a lighter, turns on into, like, a red, almost, it, it, it's definitely like a fire uh, effect, unlike the, the proper beam. And then, we get the, the, the purple glow, where it just, you know, the, the, you turn the arc welder to, you know to the hottest point, and then it just turns into this wonderful cutting beam when his jaw just opens up like a, uh, 
uh, uh, like a snake and just starts cutting through everything like um, like a knife through butter just in the, the destruction sequence beautifully done and then we get the spikes probably one of the more controversial um, <laughs> changes out of the whole thing which uh, by the way I'm shocked has not been done up until this point yes yes did you also briefly mention the weird tremor opening of his mouth yes very very eel-like yeah, and the, a very attack on titan smile yeah the the the, the mandible split so that way you get max oh. you realize he has no tongue either there's no tongue in him yeah oh that's right yeah that's right there is no tongue there's no tongue so when that jaw opens up and it just because it's not it's not like a full it's more like the 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 uh, the reaver or the reapers from uh, Blade Two, when they're eating, their jaw just opens up and latches on, but it's still kind of connected. Yeah, it's 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 become you know they've used that a lot in the past ten fifteen years. It's almost become kind of a cliche. A little you know, bit, yeah. Designs, but uh, I, I know I did notice the lack of a tongue, mm. and immediately what a what it brought to mind for me. Mm-hmm. is when the legendary film was coming out and we were getting a look at the trailers, you know, that were coming out before the film was released. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people who were really, you know, looking forward to the film were, you know, pointing out how superior this was to Toho's film. It was like, oh, Toho could never have tongues like that. <laughs> you know, the, the, the one shot of it roaring <laughs> yeah. to the camera, you know, you, you can see down his throat and its tonsils and its tongue. Mm. And they were saying, you know, a lot of people were like really impressed by that, mm-hmm. and uh, and I thought, what's, why is that such a big deal? And and uh, you know, and because if it's one thing the legendary film did, you know, Godzilla was an animal; mm-hmm. he's an alpha predator from an ancient you know civilization, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but Godzilla is still basically just an animal. Mm-hmm. This is not an animal. This is a monster. It's an abomination. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a mutation. This is an abomination. Mm-hmm. Yes, with uh, eight different elements that apparently they've never seen before. <laughs> yes, no, this because I believe yes, yeah, something totally unnatural. Mm-hmm. And I and I, I did kind of want to speak about that later too. Uh, um, how w- one of the one of the, the main criticisms criticisms I see from longtime fans is the departure mm-hmm. of Godzilla's nuclear origin. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, and but you know how how many times can you remake the same masterpiece? How many times can you remake the first film? I, I've been I've been trumping this for God knows how long now. I think I've said it I've said it so many times on this podcast, too, that, you know, maybe, you know, it's... The, the original is what it is. It's, 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 the, it's the origin point. It's, it's the masterpiece. We, do we need to go back to it every single time? Like, yeah. do, do we need yeah. to hold it... Do we need to put it on the chair that is in order to, to do anything else? Like, move on? Like, to, to do any other entry? Like, do we have to go back to that every single time? Yeah, and, and which... which uh... Every Godzilla film up to this point has done every pretty much all of the films, you know, well except for like Godzilla's Revenge and things. Mm-hmm. But 
they've hearkened back to the first film. They all acknowledge that the first film happened. And, you know, and the, the various films, including especially the Millennium series, pick up uh, after the fact. This is the first one where, where he never appeared in 54. This is their first appearance. And he's not the product of, you know, radioactivity or the atomic bomb. He's the product of toxic waste dumping that has mutated sea life. Mm-hmm. So, in, incredibly enough, it's very similar to the host. Oh, very much. Yes, yes. There, when yeah, I I did pick up on that when they were uh, when they're going through the uh, kind of given the just very impassing origins. Yes. Which they even they even said like it's still they even only had to speculate on it too because it's never really given what he actually is. I I still think that the the theory that it's a mass of sea life kind of collected together still kind of holds a little holds some water to it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, very much that you know it was illegal waste dumping in in the uh, the sixties that you know have you know taken it's taken sixty years, but it's finally created this horrible you know mutation that's uh, that's finally uh, been given uh, <laughs> been, been been given enough mass to finally show itself. Yeah. Which really ma- which makes it like uh, which which begs the point: how long has it was it out there? Until it finally grew to this point that we would we would take notice to it too. Yeah, kind of like destroyer. Mm-hmm. So how long destroyer, you know, yeah. <laughs> evolving in Tokyo Bay when it finally appeared? Exactly. And then there's there there's the the biggest aspect, which I was actually so after so when we get the 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 as Jessica calls the disco ball attack, mm-hmm. and he just lays waste all Tokyo, lays waste everything. There, there's an interesting development that happens at this point. We're right now at the midway point of the film, where the beam, the, the beam falters back into a fire attack, and then even after that, it just sputters out. And Godzilla goes into what they call like a cooldown mode. Yes. Yes, like a hibernation kind of shell mode. Yeah. Yes. Which I, I was like, oh, that's genius. Because here's the thing, with especially with the breath weapon, you know, the whole. You know, when once Godzilla became more of a hero, or at least the anti-hero character, especially in the '90s, when they play up a lot of, especially when they're playing with his biology, how giving the reason why uh, weapons don't hurt him because he's he rapidly heals and all this stuff, the the beam attack always feels like it's unlimited. He can do it as many times as he wants. There's never any, you know, there, there it's it's almost like it's it's a it's a god mode cheat in a video game. Yeah. This time. They give it like there, there's, there's a, there's a limit to, <clears throat> to it, and that it actually, <clears throat> excuse me, it actually affects him physically if he uses it too much. Yeah. Like, in, in especially when uh, using it in that that really like um, condensed beam form, when it finally, and when it finally, it's like, oh, that, that's, that's a genius move because then it, it makes it because now. Which that led to our our you know the the third act of the film like now they figured out how they can they know what they need to do to defeat him now yeah and it also gives it like a whole different like a whole biological aspect where it's like okay so you know the the beam is not not unlimited it has a price there there there's a there's a price to it and if it sucks up his internal essentially sucks up his internal battery if you will yeah especially especially when he uh uh, when he modifies it into the more 
devastating attacks like like uh, like the whole spine attack, the multiple beams from the back, mm-hmm. or when he channels it through his tail to aim it. Yeah, uh, it's 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 deleting his reserves very very quickly, mm-hmm. and that that's the idea. You know, they're attacking with drones, so they know he'll uh, waste his energy quickly and, and 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 weaken and allow them to you know to to utilize their plan. Mm-hmm inject the, the coagulant. Yeah, but then that also led to another aspect which never really is touched upon. The beam's radioactive. Mm-hmm. So anything that it touches is going to radiate it. And they brought that was brilliantly brought up because when they after the main beam attack and they looked, it's like, the city's contaminated. Like, even yeah. the stuff that it didn't touch contaminated the crap out of it. And so when they do, when they finally enact the, uh, the main attack, which a lot, I heard a lot of people complaining about the method in which they defeat Godzilla, and I, I, I have no issue with it because it's there is there is a sense of realism to it where it's like okay we have a blood like they figure out what makes him tick, and it's you know his blood has a his blood controls his radioactive um, uh, biology so they need to add a coagulant to it so they can't penetrate the skin so what are you going to have to do you're going to have to shove it down his throat. And so using the cranes, you know, they're you're pretty much you need to get him down to the ground and be able to shove those cranes into his throat long enough that where you can actually pump it into him. And the beauty about that was because they realized, okay, we need him to dispel this, but at the same time we're risking, you know, just as much damage as the aforementioned bomb that they're gonna drop on him. Because he's dispersing all of this uh, horrible radiation, especially the new Godzilla isotope that they uh that they discovered with his biology. So there's that there's that moment when um, they're get, when the drone attack starts happening. You start shooting the beams out, which there's a beautiful shot of like you get a, sh- a ground shot of um, everybody in charge of the attack standing on that platform, and the beams are just shooting across the sky, right over their heads, right yeah. over their heads, like it's nothing. Yeah, it was a oh that was an awesome that was a fantastic shot. <clears throat> but they're watching as this. This radioactive blue like bloom is just growing more and more, and you know they're like, well, shit, we need him to di- he needs to dissipate more, but we're also getting to like a massive critical point where it might not even be worth you know this operations time if the city's too poisoned by radiation. It it was a nice it was a nice give and take, if you will. Yeah, and you know, and then also that was you know, that was a way of also acknowledging the radiation part. Mm-hmm. Of the of the city being contaminated, mm-hmm. what you know was through through his energy, but through, through the, the the trace elements of the beam mm-hmm. contaminating everything, uh, <clears throat> other than just him walking through the city. Um, quickly, there's, um, you know, as I said, I really like the film, and um, I like the exposition. To to me, it provided a lot of things which I've been wanting to personally see in Godzilla films. Mm-hmm. But uh, some of the minor quibbles that I have, mm-hmm. uh, you, you brought it up, the um, the whole plan to administer the coagulant to him. Mm-hmm. Now, a big part of that plan was, was you know, demolishing buildings and having buildings fall on him mm-hmm. to knock him down to the ground to, to have the trucks drive up to him and, you know, inject the coagulant into his mouth. You know, a big plot hole for me was... What if there was enough rubble where the trucks couldn't get anywhere near him? That's you know you bring up a very good point. <laughs> I mean, they're they're bringing buildings down to the ground, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden, the, the trucks are able to get within a hundred feet of him. And yeah. then, I mean, 
I mean, they they do give it to where it there is like from the point he goes down to the point the, he wakes back up is almost like two weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it is have- it is enough time for a controlled demolition to set up, but they didn't even really do a controlled demolition. They shot freaking like Hellfire missiles into the sides of the buildings. I mean, hoping they would, would the buildings would fall the right way, and yeah, to do that. So I mean, yeah, that I think at that point, you know, you can maybe forgive a little bit for what the film has offered. You know, the the plan, the yeah, ideas. I mean, the I- we're talking about you know a, a creature which, like I said in the beginning, you know, shouldn't be able to support its own weight. But yes. hey, you know, <laughs> it's science fiction physics. Yeah. So. But uh, you know, the, but you know, uh, besides that, the 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 plan was I did like the the solid idea of the plan. It wasn't, you know, it's not. It actually has a little more basis to reality than even the oxygen destroyer. Yes, yeah. The oxygen destroyer very much is a MacGuffin. The coagulant, mm-hmm. like the they give it a full explanation. They're like, look, we're and here's the beauty too. It it took a worldwide uh, effort to actually get this shit made and get it to, you know, and, and get the plan in operation. It took, it took, you know, it, it took uh, Germany to, uh, to kind of run the diagnostic on the Godzilla genome to finally break down, like, okay, here's what, here's what this is, here's what you need to do, here's what we need to add to it. Uh, France to do a little politicking to, to delay America from dropping a nuke on, on, on Tokyo. Um, and even America in its own, like, yes, you know, We'll, we'll send it. We'll, we'll help you out. We'll send some drones. Yeah, and 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 then all of the industry of Japan, you know, pulling all their resources to actually manufacture the coagulant, mm. because it's that or you know Japan gets nuked. Yeah. So <laughs> let's let's put all our resources into this so we'll prevent that from happening. It, and then it, another another one of my uh, my little complaints my mm. was okay. I can see. The second time, once the coagulant was put in him, you know, it, it, it basically froze him, mm-hmm. you know, in a statue-like position. But you know, so that that made sense. But but the first time, you know, when uh, he went into hibernation mode after he exp- uh, expended all of his energy, mm-hmm. you know, okay, I could see like going into hibernation mode and just kind of slumping down. But <laughs> for him to, to like just just freeze the position and have his tail, tail, right? You're talking about the tail, right? Yeah, the tail just sticking in the air. Yes, <laughs> you know that it was like that was just kind of off-putting to me. It was a little bit, yeah. It, it seemed a little lazy. It was like we need a cool shot, so that's what we're going to give you. Yeah, because even when when he gets brought down by the coagulant, like when they administer the second time, like the tail drops. Yeah, it just goes limp, like everything, like his whole body does for a minute. Yeah. 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 There was a little something to that. I get why they were because they were alluding to more like, especially the the few shots we were getting when they were investigating, like the the mouth opening up on the tail, um, and then later on the um, the 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 budding, if you will, of the 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 micro Godzillas off the off the tip. Like it pretty much just seemed like they were moving in the direction that the tail was evolving into a second creature on its own. Yeah. Um, which was it, they left it, they looted it enough, but they also left enough of a mystery to it. It would always be one of those kind of like, where the hell were they going with this kind of thing? But for for what they offered in the movie, it it, it worked enough. Yeah, well, one one theory I have also is 
you know, to have him in in such a position, mm-hmm. you know, it, it provides an uneasiness because you don't know at any moment he could start moving again. True. You know, it, it's not like he's laying down and he has to open his eye, you know, kind of like the, kinda like the legendary Godzilla mm-hmm. at the end of the movie where he opens his eyes and, you know, back up. And, you know, pulls off. himself up. Mm-hmm. This one, no, he could just start moving at any time and just start knocking down buildings. You know? Yeah. So, okay, you know, okay, we'll, we'll go with that. Um, real quick, I don't think we really we really delved too much into it other than the eel form. I mean, what about the, the mutation from form A to form B? Um, especially using the original uh, sound effects, too. That and again, the, and the original uh, uh, soundtrack mm-hmm. for the film, I, I thought that it, it was it was jarring at first, but it worked mm-hmm. for me. It worked. You no, know, it, it's a very creepy dirge, and it, it, it fits the situation perfectly. I thought. Is it when he got his little? Uh, I was next to Chris doing little T Rex arms motions. <laughs> yes. Is that is that when he got his baby chicken? Baby chicken wings? Yes. He looked like a chicken... Oh, I called him baby chicken Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Like, before the feathers came in, but just hatched from an egg. Yes. Like, he had that sort of stumble. Yeah, I, I was impressed with their use of their original music, and also I was trying to... I was discussing with a friend today what the forms were, in case I missed it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, because the first one was eel, right? Yes. Second one, he had the little chicken chicken things. And then uh, the third one is his arms came out. Am I correct? And then the last one is when they go, oh, he's twice his size. It's uh, when they verbally confirmed it, and that's his fourth form. No, I think the first form is the tail, like when we see just the tail. But even then... Um, yeah. Really? Yeah, th- I think technically that's what they're calling it, but I would first, still say that... We, yeah, we never fully see it. We only see the tail thrashing about in the bay. We never see what, what the first form entirely looks like. For, yeah, the, the second, okay. the second form is what comes ashore, which has what it actually has a. You notice the tail is the Ghidra tail too. Did you notice that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> which was a nice little, nice little homage. Real quick, let's talk about the soundtrack to this film. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like three pieces of original music for it, and that's about it. <laughs> I, I I found I in a weirdly in an odd way I found kind of refreshing. There's the uh, the the persecution of the masses um, theme, which is only played during uh, the eel form's initial uh, um, arrival on land, and then there's um, there's uh, there, there, there's that real upbeat kind of um, attack music. It's played midway through when they actually start putting. I believe it's when they start putting together the the coagulant plan. Like when they start like getting the committee together and start doing all that. Other than that, most of the music's all like reused from a previous Godzilla films, and even from Evangelion. Yes. Um, interesting choice, especially considering the fact that the decisive battle theme, which was from Ava, was used for like all these great action sequences, are used specifically for all of these office scenes when it's just people like typing and talking and putting shit together <laughs> it's yeah. almost comedic and it's uh, it's almost geniusly comedic in, in, in its usage 
but it does add a night a, a wonderful air of 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 um uh, of uh, you know a sense of urgency to those scenes too. Like we're we're you know we might be sitting around, but we're actually we're doing stuff. Stuff's getting done. Yeah. And then the end uh, when we get the original when we get the march the military march scene when the trains are barreling down. Um, it, it and. It just felt. It really felt like you know a, a fan at a time. It was almost like a fan film at, at certain moments. Um, and not only that, but the, the let's talk about the usage of all the old school Toho effects to, uh, sounds too. Yeah. All over the place. The original bomb explosions. Um, yeah. All the military vehicle sounds. They're all there. Like you, you sit there and you're like, wait a minute, is that the? Is that the, the like? Those are all the, like the seventies expo- Like it was, it was it was beautiful. Even the crumbling buildings. Yes, they were all there. Like they were all. It, it was almost. It, I it, it felt like in, in a way like we maxed out our budget on the effects, so we don't have much of a budget for the sound effects, and you know they found a clever way around it. I I, I just think it was you know part of the whole you know nostalgic nod trend, you know. Like, we're doing something new, but we're also trying to keep it connected to the original. Yes. In fact, I I was even wondering myself, you know, did they insert them when they were editing the film as temporary placeholders and they thought, hey, you know what? Why why, why don't we just leave them in? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It worked. It worked very well. It it worked for me. Mm -hmm. You know, and, you know. (laughs) But, uh, and then another thing, another interesting, you know, nod to nostalgia and to the series past mm-hmm. is uh, the, um, the the guy who discovers Godzilla, mm-hmm. you know, whose boat they go on in the beginning, mm-hmm. Gor- Goromaki. Mm-hmm. That's the third time that name has been used in the series. Mm-hmm. You know, the first Goromaki was the reporter who went to Sogil Island in Son of Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Which they... Um, oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm thinking of the original island. The, they, they do mention Odo Island in this, too. Yeah, they do mention Odo Island, which is great. You know, that, that that's where the name Gojira comes from. Which, and, by the way, did you also notice the shot, the, the homage to the first film when um, the Turkeyzilla was walking towards the, uh, the train yeah. track? Yes. A lot of similar shots to that. I, I totally got that. And, then, and they, were, you know, they were, they were playing the same music as well. And then the uh, the there was that moment too that uh, when everyone's kind of like gathered, like they're kind of cowering on on the with, hillside, on the hillside, which is very much the same the same thing from Godzilla's first appearance too. Yes, exactly. And another little interesting tidbit about that is that because uh, there's a shot of of that uh, in the actual Japanese program that was mm-hmm. sold at Japanese theaters playing it. Uh, one of the people, clearly, she's right in the center of the screen, is uh, Atsuko Sunakawa, uh, Shinpei Hayashiya's wife. Because <laughs> when I went to go see it with uh, with my brother and my girlfriend, mm-hmm. no, my brother Matthew, he was there with us when we brought Hayashiya to G-Fest. Mm-hmm. And, and Atsuko was there with him because she's his wife slash manager. Mm-hmm. My brother noticed her right away, <laughs> but we went to go see it at the theater. He's like, "Isn't that Otsuko? I said, "Yeah, it is," because I hadn't told him about that. Ah, so you knew well well ahead of time. Yeah, and which is interesting because though 
she's in that. And then, of course, you know, Hayashi appears in the 84 film as mm-hmm. a reporter. So they both... They, they, both got, they, they both made their marks then. Yeah. And then speaking of 84, mm-hmm. that's where the second Goromaki appears. Interestingly enough, he's the one who uh, stumbles upon the abandoned boat. Mm-hmm. You know, which he gets, is... He gets has attacked the, by the sea laos, right? Yes. You know, and you know, and then when you consider that Goromaki, uh, that's his abandoned boat mm-hmm. that the the Coast Guard boards at the beginning of Shingoji. That it's kind of an interesting. It, yeah, it, it is very much an interesting tie, especially in in. Well, let's break this down in terms of the reboots or the relaunches, if you will, of the series. So we have now eighty five uh, slash Return of Godzilla two thousand, and now this. Yes. Uh, where would you uh, where would you put that in in terms of a prop uh, you know of restarting everything and then where would you put it in terms of out of those three uh, out of those three films? You like yeah yeah like like like, like rank them. I still put eighty four above this mm-hmm. above Shingoji uh, with. Godzilla 2000 being the bottom. Okay. Hey everyone, Chris here. Uh, taking a break for a moment in the middle of the show. Uh, to be honest, we had a bit of technical difficulties at this moment with uh, Jessica's line, so... I figured, because I completely dropped the ball on this, because I told you guys last episode and on uh, on Facebook, hey, you write in, at least post on our Facebook, give it a little review, I will read it. So I figured this would be the best time in the middle of the show to read the, uh, the few, uh, you know, bits of feedback that we got uh, for Shin Godzilla. Uh, most uh, notably, off of our Facebook page, uh, Will Creeps, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, uh, said this, really enjoyed the film. For the most part, the CG was Hollywood tier. A uh, few shoddy scenes, but the film had a few beautiful scenes that made G14 shiver in shame. The story was wondrous, definitely needs uh, evaluation. That's just how that's just how Anna works. This is almost like a live-action Evangelion episode starring Godzilla. This is the first time in a Godzilla film that I was unsure whether I wanted to root for Godzilla or the humans. I see a lot of people saying this Godzilla lacks personality. I believe the opposite. This Godzilla has the most personality of all due to his unknown nature, unknown origins, unknown causes, and scary smart evolution. Definitely the most powerful and destructive Godzilla yet. Yet I enjoyed the film's non-Godzilla parts a lot. I mean, a lot. Normally I would find them boring, but I I was glued to the screen the whole time. And when Godzilla was on screen, he stole it. Uh, But he also uh, shared it, if that makes sense. You were in awe of the new forms of power at the same time you had that bad feeling in your gut when it was happening. Uh, put in parentheses, man, I guess, really loudly right before he blew up the helicopter with the PM. Toho was not afraid to go out all uh, go all out this time, and we got our run-of-the-mill Godzilla back in 2014. This is something new with throwbacks and with the old. It did seem to end a bit fast, but things were left unsolved for a reason. Another way Anno works. The thing that intrigues me the most uh, was not knowing how Godzilla would evolve next. Uh, seeing him sprout wings capable of intercontinental flight would have been awesome. We, did, we didn't even see his final form, or did we? 
little uh, emoji smiley face there. Overall, I thought the film was fantastic. Everyone needs to see it. It may become my new favorite, barely beating GMK. That is Will Creeves off our Facebook page. And then we also got Tom uh, Guli. I, I am so sorry if I am mispronouncing your last name. G-U-E-L-I. Uh, he wrote, unfortunately, really disappointing. The first half was solid, and despite the goofy early design and lack of any of our characters having a direct involvement in stakes, I was on board, and the Night Rampage was great. Then it slams to halt the second hour, which is actively awful, compounding the problems for the first half, introducing new ones, and getting extremely dull, all with the bad payoff climax that lacked tension and was too convenient. These are my overly simplified thoughts. And you know what? That's fine. Everyone's, uh, er, er, again, everyone's entitled to their opinion. It's not like, again, it's not like, you know, there's a, a measuring stick we all have to meet. So, and again, this is a very polarizing film. A lot of people liked it, a lot of people didn't like it. And if you didn't like it, at least have some genuine reasons for, um, like Mr. Tom here has. And you know what? Those are good reasons, other than just like, you know, it's, just, it's, not, it's not the same thing. There's, there's not liking it just to be a dick, and then not liking it because, hey, it's not my taste. And you know what? That's perfectly fine. So, those are uh, Facebook comments we got in. Again, if you have any more, let us know right into our Facebook uh, when Jessica and I sit down to record the next episode, because there's a lot of news coming out of uh, this and Legendary as I record this and edit this episode. So, do stay tuned. And real quick, real quick... Just before I forget, uh, Mr. Lee Anthony Beat and the Beat family from Birmingham, UK, sending you guys a shout out. Thanks for listening. And as always, hey, look, we're we. As I've always said Jessica and I are shills. You guys want a nice shout? You want everything? If you're listening to us, we'll gladly give you a shout out because that's the people we are. So, without further ado, we will send it right back to Jessica as we continue our section of Shin Godzilla. Yes, so I am so sorry, somehow I got cut out, but I was going to say, you know, when uh, Mark was mentioning about directors who actually have appeared in the film, I noticed that Shinkozura actually had six directors mm -hmm. that had appeared in the film, kind of like a cameo. Um, but I know a lot of people, like my friends who came, they do like Godzilla, but they didn't catch that. But I always thought it was very interesting that they also, you know, appear in the films that they were in. So I kind of really like that. I think that's Anno kind of, you know, doing his buddies a solid. It is. It is. And it's something that I think a lot of American films also do as well. Yeah. You know, you'll see people show up like, why are you there? But, you know, it's like, oh, I knew the director. He threw me in for a scene. <laughs> so, uh, and on the terms of the reboots, Jessica, uh, where do you stand with, uh, with, with, you know, especially with Shin... 2000 and uh, the 84 film, you know, as possible, you know, as the relaunches. Right, as the relaunches. Okay, so we're not we're not counting legendaries. No, as that, a kind of a new background. It legendaries is its own thing right now. It is. It is. So I'm not gonna. Yeah, I had a lot of friends who didn't like the fact that he used to be a old kind of ancient. Uh, more primitive, you know, like mm -hmm. creature, yeah. and a lot of people actually didn't really like that. Now, as for the but, 
But is, 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 is in the annuals of time, where where do you stand with the... Because, uh, you know, the 84 film relaunches into the Heisei era, the 2000 launches yes. into the Millennium era. So God only knows where this is going because we're getting the animated film next. But it looks like, we you know, Shin might be a one-and-done film, but definitely we're not... We haven't seen the end of Godzilla stuff because the box office has uh, pretty much predicted that there will be more to come. Yes, yes. I actually really liked this one a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I would rank it along with 2084, mm-hmm. 2000 and 1984, mm-hmm. but this one is drastically much more different. They still talk about radiation mm-hmm. and kind of the waste, mm-hmm. but I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think if I like had to rank them... I kind of, I kind of like this one as one, and mm-hmm. then the other two would have to be tied because this one I feel, while does talk about toxic waste, is much drastically different. Okay. And so I kind of, I kind of really like this one, especially since we got to see more of the different forms mm-hmm. and the different ones of the evolution. I actually want to say that I. I was given the idea that there are more sequels, not because Toho had hinted toward it, mm-hmm. but because at the end we saw the little creatures as it was decomposing. Yeah. And one. also blood kind of plopped from it mm-hmm. when it was hibernating at the time. Mm-hmm. So I got the idea, let's say even if Toho didn't announce it, I got the idea that we would see more of this kind of franchise. I mean, at least not franchise, but this particular direction of where it's going. Because even my friends afterwards were asking, like, are those little Godzilla people? Is that, is it, is it, is it, is it, not procreating, but is it like self, self dividing itself, amoeba style? Mm -hmm. Like, what is, what is happening? So they also thought that there was a sequel coming. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, we, we're definitely we're definitely gonna see things. Ano himself has said that he's done. He's moving on to finish off Ava. So, you know, Shin does feel like it's a one and done film, and I think that's where it should stay. I mean, there's there's really not much else we can really delve into. I think at this point with with this particular version of Godzilla, it was it's a nice change of pace. It and it definitely I'm gonna kind of reiterate here. It definitely is where where the series needs to go. But, but I, when I say that, I mean in terms of production. Um, okay, okay, because when the goo fell yeah. from its body, yeah. and then we saw the little mutated people Godzilla at the end, which mm-hmm. I had to ask Mark, what was that? Yeah. Do you do you guys remember Frank Miller did a book called Big Guy and Rusty? Yes. The okay, so in the beginning, that, yeah. yeah. Whenever the goose or whatever, when it touched the people, it turned them into kaiju, like little monsters, like little kaiju. For some reason, that reminded me of that. I I got a little reminded of that, too. Uh, There was a little bit of that, too, where it was, you know, anything that... Because it did seem like that, you know... They never really explained the blood when, especially when it's... um, When it breaks through the, the subway tunnel... What the hell is going on with it? And uh, I, I'm assuming that when the uh, the the eel form is walking on land, and there's that scene when it kind of like just shakes, and all that that blood crap just spills from its lungs. It's like that's part of the mutation process. It's just expelling stuff that it doesn't need. But they never really 
they never really delve too deep into you know the prop the aspects of it. especially the fact that when he when the eel form comes ashore it leaves like a trail of that crap in the in the water you see it in that helicopter shot yes it's all yes red. you do you do it felt like that maybe there, there was something more to it that they kind of just dropped it after a while uh, yeah. it might might be like an earlier version of the script or something or at least in a at a different edit of it um you know at this point i mean it, it could you know it'll be one of those wild things that, that, you know, fans can talk about, you know, from here on out until one day someone bugs Ano enough to ask him what the hell, you know, it was all about and he'll give some rudimentary answer that doesn't really satisfy anybody. <laughs> right, right. I actually, to go back, I did have a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, they speak about the empty boat in the beginning because mm-hmm. that professor's wife yes. passed away. Mm-hmm. which I only can do to toxic poisoning and radiation. Japan didn't do anything to help mm-hmm. them, yeah. uh, help his wife. And we never really see the guy. We just see his report. Mm-hmm. I wasn't so clear on, maybe I missed it. I, I did take a quick pee break. Mm-hmm. I didn't know whether I missed the explanation of he knew this creature was coming and just kind of just wiped his hands and walked away because he was upset with Japan. He had in no way was a part of creating the creature. No. That I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah. Because it was it was very ambi- like I had several friends ask like, so did he know it was coming and he just didn't care to help Japan or he just speculated it or what what exactly was that? And I told them I, I don't believe he created it. I don't believe he was like feeding a little iguana and was like this is happening. Mm-hmm. But I was like I think there was something going on, but I think there must have been just a miss in communication for me. I'm assuming that uh, I'm ass- they they allude that he he was theorizing its creation, that it was nothing more than a theory, and they really do play up, especially like you know when they're saying aspects of like it's too heavy to to come on land stuff like that. They're they're you know it's even early on when uh, when. Uh, forgot the main character's name when he's like this could be like a, a new you know a marine life kind of thing and everyone's kind of like poo-pooing the idea it's like come on be serious you know that's that's kind of what alludes to you know alluded to the fact that you know the um the, the scientist was almost like discredited and he was kind of like a, he was a raving madman about the whole thing as to what happened to him it seemed like he just committed suicide and jumped off the boat and left all that stuff there I'm, I'm, that's, oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, like pretty I didn't much, think about him. He just took he took a way out right before, um, you know, Godzilla appeared for the first time. That, that's the only thing I could really because they do leave that rather ambiguous. Like what happened to him? Because they do find the they find the boat. They find it empty. It's not really in shambles, and they really don't go too much into it because by the time be, before they really ask that question, that's when. Godzilla makes his first appearance, and all the st- because he's he, all the steam starts coming out of the water from him superheating it. Uh, and they never really go back into it, other than you know when you know later on when they're trying to figure out all the data he left behind, and he just like do what he leaves the message like do with it as you will kind of thing. Um, it, it did seem like the only the only the only thing it, they, it did feel like it was alluding to that like he might have just killed himself. Uh, yeah, uh, may- maybe. Actually, I didn't even think about that. I thought maybe somehow he disappeared or somebody took him or... I don't know. I mean, his shoes were all nice. Like, yeah. well-placed. 
before you step into carpet, you know, like you take your shoes off before mm-hmm. you enter someone's home, a very Asian thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, oh, that was a very uh, elegant exit. Yeah. Then he just kind of <laughs> just kind of took off. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it'll be one of those things. It did it feel like that maybe there was um, there's maybe a little more exposition in the script and they just maybe tuned it out because the movie's pretty much pushing two hours. So yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot that they cram into it. It might have. There might have been. God only knows what was left on the cutting room floor for this film. Uh, it does. It doesn't feel like there was a lot, but you know, there might be more. God only, you know, God only knows. So, um, all right. So we 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 finally we've seen something that 13 years ago we thought we it would take a lot longer to see. We've seen. The magnificent return of Godzilla from, you know, from the, the very people that created him from Toho. Um, the experiment worked. It's, uh, it's, it, as we said, it's a hit in Japan. Um, it's an unstoppable blockbuster over there. It's done extremely well. It's doing extremely well over here, shockingly. Um, and again, part of it is, in, in fact, probably because of Ano, because he is a, he is a recognized name, but you know, you're, the name can only take it so far, and people seem to really, really enjoy the film, even casual to non-Godzilla viewers. I mean, the one thing I'll say about this, I, the first time I saw it, there was a lot of um, a lot of little kids in my theater. Um, now, I would chalk that up to a few folks, because they happen, you know, they. I think it's just a kind of um, a sense of, you don't really realize that this film is uh, going to be subtitled, and there's a lot of casual people that I don't think realized the tone of the film that that it was going to be when they came into it. Like I think I think a lot of people expected, you know, for those who weren't in the know, like maybe something closer to the uh, the legendary film where guys was going to show up and fight another monster, and not this, you know, very um, this this very uh, <laughs> talky West Wing style. Um, political drama that we got. You know, a lot of times I think that, you know, us, you know, you know the three of us being very obsessive nerds that we are, mm-hmm. we we oftentimes forget that most people are not like us. You know, most people are just casual fans. They think, they think oh, a Godzilla film. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that That's good for the kids. I mean, you know, like a, another good example of it is... Uh, I remember uh, when the Watchmen film came out. Mm-hmm. I had to go see it the first night because I was, you know, I loved the Watchmen uh, graphic novel since it came out. Mm-hmm. So I went the first night to see it, and the theater was full. And, you know, a couple sheets down from me, you know, there was, uh, you know, a couple with uh, like a, a two, two like seven year olds. Mm-hmm. They're holding Spider Man plushie dolls. Yeah. You know, yeah, realizing. All they saw was, oh, it's a superhero movie. You know? <laughs> now realizing there's going to be some blue glowing penis coming their way at some point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All they saw was, you know, it's a superhero movie, you know, let's take our seven-year-olds and they'll bring their Spider-Man plushies. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's like, no, this is not that film. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you know what? Then again, you know, we're we're only like, you realize we're only like 20 months out, or 20-something months out from the from the legendary film. Like, it literally was like yesterday. Yeah. Um. And so you know, this one being you know released as it is, and it's in it's this isn't a, it, the thing. It's not an art house release. I saw this at my local theater down the street. So, 
it did feel like there was a lot of like walk-ups, like, oh, hey, new Godzilla movie. So, my, my, I'm very curious of, of, you know, the general public who are maybe expecting, like, did, wait, did they already do another, like, is this already a sequel to the Legendary one? I'm, you know, I got a feeling that so, a, a lot more than, uh, a lot more people knew what they were going to than they did, but it, definitely at that first showing I went to, it didn't seem that way. Um, but the beauty is that that being given, it's done very well. I'm looking at the box office mojo chart for it right now of the uh, last. They're they're counting the, the all the major Godzilla releases, I guess, in the last 30 years. Um, you know, in a widespread, you know, in theatrical widespread. So as of right now, the legendary film still stands tall. Uh, interesting. Uh, as, interesting note to that: if you adjust the ticket prices for inflation. The Sony film still made more than the legendary film did, though. So, take that for uh, take take that as a little you know bit of uh, info right there. Uh, and then yes, the Sony film still number two. Two thousand uh, is the third highest grossing Godzilla film, followed by eighty five and now Shin. But considering that eighty five had a longer release and everything like that, you know, it's only it's I mean. Shin right now has made one million. It made a little, just a little over a million. Eighty-five made about four million. So, uh, but then again, one week compared to you know a few months out at the time, you know, you, you know, you, it's apples and oranges at this point. But it's still, still far better. I think than even Funimation realized that you know that they were going to get. It cracked the top ten uh, on Tuesday night when it came out, which is. Rather impressive for a tiny film like this. So it definitely did. I was surprised it was only in theaters for one week. Well, that was a very, very short, short time. I mean, it's that's that's the that's the world we live in now. I mean, you can't you can either four wall uh, a movie, which is pretty much you buy out. You rent out the theater, and then you get all the grosses of the box office, but you're paying the theater up front to rent it, so you have to cover, you know, it's it's doing that. Or, you know, the method of distribution is different. Now, you know, film print, there's really that doesn't really exist anymore. So um, a lot of things, especially like what, what Funimation does, they it's all beamed over pretty much. But even then, you still have advertisement. You still have to, you know, cut the box office and like that. So... I, I think a week for a film like this, especially the way Funimation's been, because they did this exact same release with Dragon, with the last Dragon Ball movie and um, the Attack on Titan films, where it was a week, and a lot of them had played at weird times, too. That was, that was the thing we saw. Three of us saw this at a 10.30 in the morning viewing uh, on Sunday, and the next showing wasn't until, like, 8.45 later that night. Like, there was only, like, a handful of screenings. So, uh, uh, a friend of mine uh, messaged me and told me he got tickets for an 8.30 a.m. showing. Ah, weird. <laughs> so weird. Who oh, the no. At 8.30 in the morning. Yeah. Very odd. Yeah, that is odd. I mean, yeah. I mean, 7.30, you know, the all week uh, of leading up until the weekend, it was mostly playing at 7.30, uh, which is fine. That's that perfect, you know, you're right out of work. You can go in and you're home before 10 o'clock. Uh, but yeah, the weekend the weekend schedules are all over the place. We looked for like you know we're looking for like a nice like maybe one o'clock in the afternoon. No, 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 no. We didn't get that. We got 
10.30 in the a.m. So for Mark and Jessica to go to North Hollywood is not that far of a of a jaunt. For me, coming from Disneyland, I was... Uh, as I told Mark, it takes, you know, it, it takes a lot to get me to drive nearly an hour. Yeah. Like the crack of dawn to see a film. But for Godzilla, but, uh, I make that exception. At least it was a Saturday morning. It, you know, during the week, it would have been impossible. Oh, fu- oh hell yes. Oh, that yeah. For those who don't know the the Greater Los Angeles freeway system, it's uh, you have a better chance of navigating a lava flow than uh, than getting through this stuff. So, um, but it was well worth. It. And you know, it brought it made it made my Grinch like heart three times bigger to see that show sell out. When Jessica walked in and she's like, "Did you hear this? Like it sold out." I'm like, "What?" She's like, "You know, stand at the box office and apparently someone who had bought their tickets ahead of time." They didn't, you know, the people didn't know. It's like, we're, we're sold out. Like, there's no more tickets. There were people sitting in the damn uh, aisleways watching it. Yes, there were also people in the first row. Mm-hmm. Where it's just a neck cramp, where mm-hmm. you're literally leaning back, but you only see a slanted mm-hmm. end of the screen. Yeah. But, you yeah, know, there were, unfortunately, people who had to sit in the front. But nobody walked away. There was, you know, there was a lot, you know, everyone got the jokes, which that was the thing a lot of people were, who saw the film in Japan were concerned that the jokes might not get over, especially some of the anti-American sentiment in the film, which it doesn't really feel, it wasn't really too anti-American. It was more of like a view of, you know, we get strong-armed a little bit, but, you know. Yeah, you know, let's talk about that. That's that's a, a criticism I've seen pop up time and time again about this film, mm-hmm. and, you know, about uh, the whole nationalistic, uh, you know, tone of it. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't see that. No, at all. I mean, and, and as far as you know, oh, you know, just like back in '91, mm-hmm. people were complaining about the, the the World War II scenes and automatically labeling them anti-American. Mm-hmm. It's like. You know, I didn't see that. I mean, it was a World War II flashback. We yeah. were at war with Japan. Yeah. What the heck that? Exactly. And, and now, I mean, and then even with this film, I mean, to me, that was just a realistic portrayal. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, America involves itself in all world affairs. Mm-hmm. If something like this would happen, but yeah. America would do nothing. Yeah. Especially when they brought up, I mean, the the uh, the liaison even brought up it's like. When they brought it, they were like, why are they going to drop it on? Because it's like, the, you know, they show, like, there's a 13% chance this thing could cross the ocean and hit the West Coast. Like, you need to nip it in the butt before that happens. So, but, I mean, as we brought up earlier, it it, it very much towards the end what became like a joint world effort. It, it was a little nationalistic in the fact that it was a commentary. Uh, Anno very much was doing a commentary on how... The country kind of the, the government kind of runs itself, and there's a lot of platitudes and a lot of uh, red tape that could be broken down very easily. But there's you know they they follow them. They even bring up the you know it's like there's motions we have to go through. This is democracy, damn it. Yeah. Um, you know, nationalistic yeah. in that tone, but it wasn't like Japan hoorah rah. It was like, hey, we could do better, and this is how we could do better. Yeah, I mean, I, I understood. I understand. You know. It could be construed as nationalistic, and you know, maybe it is. You know, mm-hmm. maybe because I know I'm not intimately familiar with the Japanese political system right now. You know, I know Shinzo Abe has been criticized as being very nationalistic, but you know, I don't know, and he's even referenced this film. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I did see uh, critiques of uh, 
of uh, you know procedure and, and and bureaucracy and how inefficient it is. Because I mean, because even in the film, literally, the old guard is killed, mm-hmm. and they they say, you know, well, it's time for for the new younger generation to come in and and govern things. Yes, we'll do it better, you mm-hmm. know. And there's even like the, you know the backdoor talk, you know, of like, hey, just you know, save me and and. You know, nice secretary position when you become, you know, prime minister and all that stuff. Like, there's, there's a little bit of that. There's, there's all that stuff. And, it, and then there's like politics as usual. Yes, know? very much so. And especially with the, uh, with, with, with the American uh, subplot, especially with the joke of her becoming um, president, president in her forties. I, I like the the wishful thinking that mm-hmm. they had. I'm, I'm usually a pretty optimistic person, but the fact that just because she's an Asian mm-hmm. minority female whose English is not perfect, oh, oh she right. would not be president in her 40s. No. Because as advanced as we are, we're still a little, there are still people that are unfortunately racist and backwards. Whatever brings us forward 50 years, somebody brings us back, or the group of people will bring us back 30. So she looks about 26. Mm-hmm. So let's say she's 40, so another 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. I don't, maybe in 50 years, mm-hmm. she could be president. Like, I, I hope it's sooner than that. <laughs> but when they said that, and I didn't catch that in the Japanese, original Japanese uh, language, because mm-hmm. I didn't know. Yeah. But I caught that now, and I laughed. I was like, uh there was some, n- there not. was some, there was some chuckling coming from Jessica. I can I can uh, I can I can confirm that. <laughs> She's like, oh, that was. I was happen. like, ah. I'm like, hey, you know what? I, I tell her, you know what? You know what? We we would vote for an Asian guy, an Asian guy. We'd have a, a guy, little, an Asian yeah, guy, an Asian guy with like perfect English. Yeah, we you know America would be very much open for voting for an Asian guy. I think there's not the connotation for. A lot of other stuff. I think America would be like, yeah, you know what? Let's, let's put a nice Asian man in there for a little bit. Let's see how that works out. But uh, maybe, maybe if he was like half white, half Asian, but looked more white, like a Mark Paul Gosler type of dude, where it's like you can't really tell, or during certain angles, mm. you can't really tell. Then maybe like a Keanu Reeves almost. Yes, yes, almost like a Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. Yes, or, or like Mark- America's sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Or what, Mark? Mark DeCoscos. Yes. Ooh. Oh, Mark DeCoscos is president. He'd be whooping ass every week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nobody would take crap from Mar- President De- uh, De- uh, President Mark DeCoscos. Oh, I'd vote for him in a minute. But uh, you know, what? you bring up the 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 whole <laughs> the whole language thing too. As I turn to Mark halfway through, there there's a whole scene when um when they're they're talking they're they're, they're in the PM's room. They're all speaking in English, and I leaned over to Mark. I'm like, "Okay, you can definitely tell from this scene who is just speaking phonetically and who actually knows English in this cast." Because- yes, yes, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Oh God, the American. Oh God, the American acting. Yeah. So there was one. Yeah. There was one dude. There was one dude who was speaking like, "Okay, I actually know, and I know how to properly speak English." Like yeah. was the, the the all the everything he was the flow of it was was very much like oh okay so this guy's learned. Meanwhile, the poor girl is just like you you know say okay like this okay like it's like oh okay so 
Yeah. It's just, you know, someone bred it off to her and she's just repeating what she heard. Yep, the, the American yes. Yankees haven't seen that since, you know, uh, like 84 and like, you know, file anti, you know, ah, it's not a beauty contest. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Actually, I, I the, you, you know what, in Japanese they said, I thought they said sorry mm-hmm. a lot and I was like, oh, okay, you know, I wouldn't put it past them. They're a country full of the most polite people in the world. Actually, they were saying the word prime minister. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. The, the, um, yeah, I mean, because that, that was one thing that was kind of like really, really, you really need to suspend your disbelief for the fact that, you know, you're supposed to believe that she's an, an American and a native mm-hmm. English speaker. Yeah. Uh, for me, that was on par with uh, Frankenstein Conquers the World when they're saying, oh, you know, he's definitely not Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't look Japanese. Well, that Frankenstein looks Japanese. Yeah, it looks <laughs> very Japanese. <laughs> it's like, you know, he's a little German boy running around. It's like, nah, no, nah, I don't know about that. Like, <laughs> yeah. don't know. So you're telling me radiation makes you look Asian. All right. Well, okay, then. That's, <laughs> that's what you're implying by this. Uh, well, you know, it's... But you know what? Let's uh, let's let's not look at give horse the mouse for you know as much as we have our little nitpicks here and there. I think we're all in agreement that we are very happy with the results of Shin Godzilla. Yes, uh, especially after thirteen. What's it's been thirteen years since uh, Final Wars? Twelve. Twelve. It's been twelve years. Okay, so twelve years after Final Wars. You know, two years after the legendary film. We live in a time where we now have two very different Godzillas running around. Throw the, just th- sit, sit on that for a second. Just realize that we have a proper American Godzilla. Now, you know, there's there, you know, there are nitpicks with that here and there, but you can't, you know, for the movie itself, you can't say that they didn't really kind of get the character down at least. Godzilla very that Godzilla is very much in its own way, at, you know, the the mid '70s Showa superhero Godzilla. Uh, this one is, you know, a very much a nightmare Godzilla. Like, you know, when everyone tries to, like, invoke the fear that the original uh, Honda film brought up, this is very much what they're, you know, what they're trying to describe, which I wouldn't even say that that original film even did. Um, no, I, I said it before. Uh, Shin Godzilla is basically what the legendary teaser yes. promised. Very much so. Very much so. This this indestructible force uh, that, you know, doesn't matter what you threw at it, it you just can't stop it. Um, and, you know, it, damn it, it looked awesome. And, you know, what? Japan's finally stepped up and giving us a quality film. I, hopefully Toho takes a lesson from this. It's like, we don't rush it. I think uh, Ano said that he'd been working, he'd been in pre-production on this film like nearly a year before they actually officially announced him uh, as the director of the film. Which is a thing, I believe that, that that's a Japanese tradition, like, they announce, like, the full cast crew and everything like that well into production of the film. Like, they don't announce when, not like here, where it's the second someone puts pen to paper, and it's like, hey, so-and-so signed on. It's like, you know, over there, it's like, no, they're already, they've been hammering out the script already, and, you know, there's, you know, sets built, we're ready to go. That's when they make the full announcement. So, Toho, instead of, you know, the cookie cutter, like, all right, you know, it's January, let's get the ball rolling. Script's written by March, we're filming by April, we're done by May, June, 
<clears throat> effects are done by August, and <clears throat> we're rolling it out, you know, in December. Time. Time is what... Time and, you know, the right hands. Let, you know, as, as they all say, <clears throat> let the... Let the filmmakers make their movie, and you know it, it worked. So I'm hoping, you know, we're getting this, we're getting this animated film next. You know, the the teaser image is very interesting. Yeah, I would never <clears throat> guess that a Godzilla film. It looks. <laughs> I, I'm hoping. I'm hoping by the end of the year we get like a small snippet of what of what it will be at least. You know, like a little teaser trailer or something. I got a feeling we're probably we're going to wait to buy it into well to next year. But <clears throat> at least Toho is doing something different. Because, you know, we can all agree that this, especially the Millennium series, got a little stagnant. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, especially with uh, the Mechagodzilla films, in, in, in my personal opinion, where it's just like we're kind of. We're going through the motions here. You know. And again, the reason why the reason why one of the reasons why Trump, you know, uh, Final Wars is because it dared to do something different. Shin showed that, like, yes, we need to maybe get out of our comfort zones with you know what this is. It, it didn't. It's not like we they took the character and did and pulled a, a, a tri-star on it and it completely changed him to something that he wasn't. They, it, at this point, I, I think they have to go completely different. I mean. Tokyo SOS should have been a fan's a big dream. I mean, mm-hmm. look, you had, you know, Hiroshi Koizumi, mm-hmm. you no know, reprising his role, and it, it was a sequel to the original Mafra. Mm-hmm. You know, and but it, it didn't make make that big of an impact. No, it was a fun film. It was. Uh, oh, yeah. I, it was a lot but, more, and it was a lot more. I liked it a lot more than uh, against Mechagodzilla. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it, it was, yeah, definitely, without a doubt. Uh, but it did feel like you know, we've seen this enough times. Like especially with you know, we look at the time, but even back then, we were all like, okay, next year we got new Godzilla. Like we were gluttonous, and that that was our as a fan base, that was our own downfall. Like. Patience. We didn't. We were not properly rewarded for our patience because we didn't have any. We're like twelve months from now, getting a new one. Yes, just keep cranking them out. And then when they would come out, we complained like, "Yeah, you know, it's a little, you know, it's a little hokey here and there." It's like, well, what do you expect? They have like a four-month turnaround on these things now. This show, you give time, you give a little extra money, which I'm very again, I'm still very curious on what the budget of this film was, because this is definitely not a cheap film. This is a this is a definite this is a definite uh, temple uh, budget film for for Toho. So be very curious uh, when this finally comes out. But give it time. Every, we don't need you know I, I again we're getting the anime film there, but I don't need another live action film from Toho for another few years. Give it a little time. Don't burn it out. They got something. Let that plate spin for a little bit, and when it starts wobbling, then you just give it another little you know give it another little twirl and keep going. Yeah. I like the, you know, Godzilla films and, you know, them releasing them a lot, but, you know, when when you're machine gunning them out at, at the rate of one a year, mm-hmm. you know, they, 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 you run into the ground very quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that happened to the Heisei series, that happened to the, to the Millennium series, uh, you know, and, and I've told you before, you know, I'm very concerned that Disney's going to do that with Star Wars. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like yeah, after the six films, maybe this should take like a year or two off and yeah. let it breathe for a minute. 
Yeah, because I mean, you know, because Disney's in the in the corporate mind of just you know churning out annual product. Mm-hmm. You know, it would know complete with fast food tie-ins and everything. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I mean, personally, you know, I, I, we always like love to get off topic on this mm-hmm. show, which is what I love. But mm-hmm. you know, I, I I I'm not really enthused about the Rogue One trailers. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll go see it, of course, but I'm not like, oh, this looks amazing. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I was more excited about the, about the prequel trailers when those are happening. You know, <laughs> they're all you know, but even though, but that was still even then, that was a different time and place than what the world is now, too. Yeah, there are you know, it's I I've I've gone on about how much we've almost become desensitized to the stuff we love. Yeah, um, I've ranted I've ranted many times if you listen to the show about how. You know, you're given you're given something. The fan base is given something they they've wanted for years, and then when you finally serve it up to them, like, what is this? Isn't no, 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 this isn't exactly how I how I envisioned it. This isn't exactly what I wanted. Like, it has to be down to the T. Otherwise, they you know throw it back in your face. I've seen that with Mar- with all the comic book films. Most recently, with um, you know, you know, Jessica can attest to this how. The DC films have been running, um, and even 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 with in our own fan base, like the Shin Godzilla trailers, uh, for a while, and especially with the rumors, some were not true, some were true. People were like, "What? Wait, wait, what? What is this? Like, it's a matter of like, I f- like almost a fear change, and at the same time, you're so used to." you know, what's come before you that when something is different, like, you're like, it's almost turning your nose up to, like, a new, like, platter. It's like, you know, it, this is steak, but it's just prepared a different way. Like, nah, I don't want it. Be yeah. grateful. Be freaking grateful that you have, that we have this film and we have the legendary film. Now, again, whether you like it or not is is a matter of taste. But when you get to the point of what I call armchair directing... Which is a lot of what uh, fandom has turned into nowadays, where you know almost buckling to fans' wishes is almost becoming a uh, detriment to the actual products. Um, it's not quite a good thing. Toho, thankfully, it looks like they're going in their own, you know, their own. Uh, they're, they're forging their own path. They really don't care. Legendary at this point, they're more focused on getting King Kong and Godzilla on the screen at the same time. I'm all down for that too. So you know, I'm happy. Godzilla two from to- from Legendary might blow. Who knows? It might be awesome. But you know what? At the same time, I'm just gonna be happy. I have a- another Godzilla movie to look forward to because there is something to that build. There is something to to the you know, knowing it's coming, the building it up, and you know when you finally sit down, there, there's that payoff. Now whether the payoff, like I said, the payoff is good or not, that's entirely up to your your taste. But at least take stock in the fact that it exists. And you know it's there to to enjoy because ten, fifteen, twenty years ago we would have murdered for a, for both a Japanese Godzilla and an American Godzilla to be going on at the exact same time. Murdered for it. Villages would have been burnt down. Now that we have it, there's a lot of people still bitching about it. Like they're just not satisfied. So yeah. I hope that people do take appreciation of the the marvelous time that we live in. That we have this. There's a new King Kong film coming in like four months. It's not that far away. There's God only knows if you know if uh, Kodakawa ever gets off their butt for that Gamera film. 
but there's there's promise for that still. You know, we're living in a golden age. We're living in a new golden age. It's fantastic. Shin Godzilla very much is a a a, a, a nice signpost in uh in, in that pa- in that road that we're going down right now. And at least it's people enjoyed it enough to where it will keep going for a little while. Otherwise, you know what? You cannot have anything. We have had the the drought we've had for the last twelve damn years, where you know you have to make do with what you got, and that's pretty much Subaraya cranking on Ultraman shows, and that's about it. And the occasional Cloverfield movie, which uh, you know, personally, again, like me, didn't care for it. But you know what? I'm glad it happened. You know yeah. why? Because then it, it's at least brought into the light, like. In this day and age, you can still make giant monster movies, and they're still viable. You know, but, but, yeah, and just just think how quickly things change. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, like you said, uh, you know, Shin Gojira opened just what at, at the end of July. Yeah, uh, it's only been you know, a little over two months. Mm-hmm. You know, four or five months ago, amidst all the speculation of the film, because you know, up until it opened, mm-hmm. nobody knew anything about it other than you know four or five images. Yeah. And until that point, you know, we were hearing, oh, Toho will never make another Godzilla film again. This will be the last one. They'll mm-hmm. just, you know, they'll just uh, uh, license out the character. They'll never make another Godzilla film again. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this film has done very well. Mm-hmm. Toho will make another Godzilla very film. Very much so. It may, it may not be a sequel to Shin Gojira. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't believe so because Arnold says he wants to move on to other things. Mm-hmm. But you know, they they see how they can take a character, change it, reinvent it. You know, hey, you know, if people don't like this one, maybe they'll like the next one. Exactly. But also at the same time, I would say there's something to supporting it still too. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, so <clears throat> I look forward to what <clears throat> to what the future has to offer. And so in the interim. I'm glad with what we got right now. And uh, we've gone on quite long on this episode. So I'm going to wrap things up here. So a few things. Um, We'll probably have a backlogged episode in the next two weeks. And then, uh, Jessica, you're going on vacation for a little bit, aren't you not? You know, I'll actually find out soon if I will. Okay. But... I think for right now, I'm going to be... I'll find out in about a week. Mm -hmm. But I think the only places that we'll be going will be Stan Lee's Los Angeles Comic Con. But I think other than that, that's it. Okay. So, let's... uh, I want to drop some of those things in right now. So, Jessica, what do you have going on at Stan Lee's LA Comic Con, which is a terrible name for what what the former Kamikaze used to be? Oh, you think so? You didn't really like the name change? <laughs> no, no, and I think a lot of people didn't either because it's it seems uh, tedious and pandering. Uh, you you know, I think some people may not like Kamikaze is really, really, I think verbally and audio, audio and verbally catching, mm-hmm. but I think it's still like a word that people are not used to. Mm. You know, so maybe like you know, Comic Con and the word Los Angeles might be, I don't know, just easier. I just know, like, I have some people in my life who can't pronounce kamikaze. Yeah. So, or it sounds like the other word, the Japanese kamikaze, which has a completely negative meaning. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what they're going for. So, but, uh, the, the change the name to Los Angeles Comic Con, I know that, one, they're trying to capitalize on San Diego, but, uh, 
you know, it's a, it's a pretty generic name, Los Angeles Comic Convention, but I can think of one person uh, uh, who's not happy by this name change. <laughs> Bruce. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Oh, <laughs> that poor guy. He can't catch a break. <laughs> well, he's kind of... S- sadly, sadly, he's his own worst, he's his own worst enemy. <laughs> he's constructed the hell in which he lives. So. Yeah. Uh, a little little inside baseball on that one, people. <laughs> um, but anyway, Jessica, what do you have going on at Stan Lee's L.A. Comic Con, uh, which is held over uh, Halloween weekend this year? Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. I have two panels that I'm moderating. Mm-hmm. One of them is um, from Electra to Wonder Woman, how are women characters represented? Mm-hmm. And also the other one I'm moderating is Battle of the Superman, mm-hmm. uh, who is the true last son of Krypton. Oh, so are you going to... So be- it, it's going to be, it's a full panel. Um, mm-hmm. I really love the guests that I have because I have the gentleman who actually worked for DC, and he coined the term Last Son, uh, uh, last son of Krypton. Ooh. So, he, you know, I feel like, man, you already have the edge on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and I have John Schnapp, um, who did The Death of Superman Lives, the documentary. Ooh, wow. About kind of what happened to that. So I have a lot of people that I'm really... I have an Esquire, who's also like a comics historian. He's a lawyer, so... He was, he's, he's a great guy, mm-hmm. very well prepared. Like, he has literally yellow notebook, <laughs> legal pad, pulled out of his backpack with all the facts that he needs. So I'm interested to kind of see how people like him, who are experts and fans of the field, go up against, like, a D.C. veteran who knows his continuity, oh, you know, and, and so it's going to be, it'll be a fun and humorous battle. So those are the ones that I'm moderating, but I was asked to be on the guest for several, like, Captain America versus Iron Man, mm-hmm. kind of like the political and the psychological aspects of it, and, you know, even down to comic psychology from... Wonder Woman and Wortham to the World Wide Web. So panels like that where I was um, asked to be a guest on. So I feel like being a guest means it's a lot more eyes on you as opposed to being the moderator. (laughs) There's less room for error. Less room for error. True. What What day are your panels you're running? The ones that I'm running are both on Sunday. Both on Sunday, okay. And then I also have a panel on Sunday. It's uh, called, hey, I remember that. Uh, we're talking about cult cartoons from the 80s and 90s. I did it last year. Yeah, um, you, I'll say you did that before, right? Yes. Um, but that's to go through. So. Yeah, so I'll be coming back again. Last year I brought all the good stuff. This year I'm bringing a ton of crap. And I don't mean I mean that in an affectionate way. Like, I, I told everyone last year, it's like, did you, you know, everyone... I it was I'm, I was surprised to see the 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 standing room only crowd I had so uh, I will be bringing back um, a lot of wonderful cartoons that were uh, as a kid they were any port in the storm kind of shows where it's eight it's eight thirty uh, after you know when nine o'clock hits then it's uh, then it's freaking uh, you know you know, it's like Conan the Adventure or something like that, but I gotta sit through this first in order to get through that. That's how things were back then, kids. You didn't you didn't have any channel, you didn't have any on demand. It's it was Saturday morning, you got your butt up at seven o'clock because that's when the block started. 
and it ended at 11, and you had three channels to choose from, and uh, at any given point, there could have been something super crappy on, but you know what? It was better than watching the 700 Club, because that was the only other thing that was on at the time. <laughs> so, I'll be bringing that, and then a couple other little gems, but that will be my panel that is also on Sunday. It's at noon to 1. So, you can come check me out there. I will probably... I'm not... I can't make any promises as to the mental, physical condition I'll be in because my brother's wedding is the night before, so I might be wearing sunglasses. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's LA's Stanley's LA Comic Convent or Comic Con. I can't even say it right. Uh, and it is the twenty eighth, ninth, and thirtieth. So at the LA uh, LA Convention Center. So come check us out. We'll be there. I'll be hanging out at my buddy's booth, too, on uh, Friday and Sunday. There's no panels on Friday, which I was completely shocked about. I am also shocked about that. I am also very surprised about that. So, uh, yep. Uh, Mark, do you have uh, anything you need to plug? No. No? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. He's like, eh, no. (laughs) So, um... We'll uh, we'll have Mark on. Uh, we'll we'll have Mark back soon. Uh, there's a I want to get I want to do our video game podcast the the uh, the video game episode of Godzilla. Mark's a, a fountain of knowledge on that one too. So and also we 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 still have to do the uh, Chayo book. Oh, very much. Oh God, there. You know what? <laughs> that might be our our end of the year. Our, our end of the year episode because uh, that oh that thing is a treasure trove of uh, of just joy and so much head scratching it, it, it is an oddity upon itself which has to be seen so um, yeah I think that's uh, I think that's about it on uh, the business front on this for this one so um, yeah and again um, where was I going with this Oh, yes. So, my normal sign-off. That's where I was going. So, Jessica, on that note, where can the good people find more of our work? You know what? You guys, don't fall, Chris. It's actually 1.15 a.m. So, (laughs) we are, we are, we love Godzilla so much that we decided to stay up a little later Mm -hmm. to kind of talk about him. But, uh, but yes, to go back to where to find us, we are on iTunes. Mm -hmm. So, please tell everyone that, you know... We are also on Facebook mm-hmm. on the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. We are also on Tumblr and Gmail under the same name of the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. And on Twitter, we are the Kaiju Kingdom. There is no podcast at the end of that one. Uh-huh. But those are all the best places to find us. And, and we love to see all your comments and discussions on, um, on our Facebook page. Oh, we do. We love them so much. Uh, Mark, where can people go to find more of you? Uh, my website being, uh, it's down, it's being redesigned, so, uh, it'll be up soon, uh, once it's back up, then I'll start promoting it. <laughs> All right, we'll, 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 when that comes around, we'll, we'll gladly pimp it out. Uh, and then you can find, uh, more of our new podcast network, the Panzer Crush Podcast Network. Uh, we officially launched this week with this episode. <clears throat> it is at panzercrush.com you can find you'll be able to find uh, this show uh, the new version of Take Two there and uh, our upcoming wrestling based podcast The Four Post Massacre and uh, any we we got a lot of cool plans uh, for uh, 
for this uh, network. I'm trying to convince Mark to do like a nice uh, Bigfoot cryptozoology podcast on here soon too. So I'd love to do that. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, we're we're gonna get it. So, and here's the thing: you can we need support, people. We need you know we, we need we need the love. So uh, you can follow us on uh, Facebook at uh, uh, on Facebook at Panzer Crush. We're also on Twitter at, at Panzer Crush as well. Please follow us there. So, uh, a lot of, you know, just how we're going to, we'll be spreading the word that way through, through those means as well. So you can find, uh, if you, if you didn't, you know, if you like, if you like this, you can find more of us over there as well. Ah, oh, it's late and I'm rambling inconsistently here. So, all right, well, that will do it for this edition of the Kaiju Kingdom podcast for myself and Jessica and Mark. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time.